Thank you, Lord, for the invitation to join your family. Thank you for the blood of Christ that was paid for that entrance, that gateway. Thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. Thank you for loving us when we were in sin and far away from you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us when we were with our fists raised against you. Lord, thank you for your spirit that calls, that calls each one of us to join your family. Thank you for your saving grace. Thank you for your plan for us with so much wisdom and power, majesty. What a, what a wonderful saga that you have written, Lord. Lord, as we stand in Christ, we know that we are, as Ephesians says, seated in the heavenly places in Christ. Lord, your redemption goes beyond even what Adam and Eve enjoyed before the fall. You had even greater plan for us. What a great father you truly are. Lord, we give you the praise and glory, and we do so in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you would turn with me this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Over the course of the morning, we're going to look at almost that entire chapter. But I want to read, just to start out this morning, a few verses, beginning in verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Sukkah, which belongs to Judah. And they camped between Sukkah and Azekah and Ephesdamim. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley between them. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 500 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to drop in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Would you pray with me, please? Father, as we look at your word this morning, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, you would speak to our minds, that your spirit would um, allow these words to become truth in our lives, that we might uh, see us for who we are and see you for who you are, and we might leave here changed. And we ask these things in Christ's name, amen. Uh, Interesting text for Father's Day, maybe. I bet if... I called almost anybody up here. You could tell me the rest of that story. It's probably a story that many of you have heard since you were about 
this big. We probably could call all the kids out of the elementary class and they could probably tell us the story. The giant comes out. He challenges Israel. They're all afraid. And then in the middle of this, David's father sends him to the battlefield to take some food to his brothers and just get an update. They didn't have CNN back then, so he'd have to actually get someone to go and find out and come back. And David shows up and, and the giant comes out and does his thing and everybody runs and hides. And, and then some of the men tell David, have you heard? The king, Saul, he's offering a reward for anyone who will go out and fight this guy. His daughter in marriage and his father free from taxes and, and money. And David says, you're kidding, right? We, we need to be bribed to go fight this uncircumcised Philistine? Really? Royalty and riches? Sign me up. I'll do it. And so they take him to Saul and Saul says, now David, you're, you're just a kid and this guy's a giant. Let the man handle this. But David talks Saul into letting him go. And Saul says, well, you better take my armor. So David politely tries it on and realizes this isn't going to work and says, thanks, but no thanks. Finds a creek, finds a few rocks, walks out to the giant. And before the giant can even hurl a spear at him, he's got a rock in his head and he's laying face down. David cuts his head off. The Philistine army scatters. The Israelite army, now emboldened, chases after him. And it's a good day. Good guy win, bad guy loses. David's dad spends the tax money he's saving on a new set of uh, shears for his sheep. And that's the story. And what in the world does it have to do with Father's Day? In the grand scheme of, of the Old Testament, this text falls right at the beginning of what starts to become trouble between Saul and David. David the hero, Saul the, the king in the people's eyes, begins to be lowered in their eyes. But there's something else about this text that's interesting. There's, there are four men in this story who are highlighted. Um, and those four men are all facing stress, all facing a situation that, that could cause them to question who they are, that could cause them to react to the situation. And as dads, um, we find ourselves in that situation on a regular basis. We may not be facing a giant, but it may seem that way sometimes. Trying to, to raise kids, bills, work, relationships. Uh, sometimes it might be as overwhelming as that giant who comes out and, and mocks us. And so I want to look at those four men this morning. Saul, a guy named Eliab, who's David's brother. Goliath himself, and then David. What may frustrate you, though, is, is the text doesn't really comment on whether those guys are necessarily good and bad. We can imply some things, but it just shows us how they react. It doesn't help us figure out how to get from someone, say, like Saul, who's afraid, to someone like David, who has faith. We don't learn how to do that. So that may be frustrating for us. But what I want us to do this morning is to look at ourselves and to say, 
Who am I most like in this story? As a dad, as a husband, am I most like Saul? Am I most like Eliab? Am I most like Goliath? Am I most like David? Now, there's about half of you out there thinking, oh, good, I cannot listen because I'm not a dad. <laughs> well, um, you probably know someone who is. Uh, and so, number one, there's a good chance they might need your encouragement to walk with their God a certain way. They certainly need your prayers. And they certainly need you to understand the frustrations and in, in how men, but really how people in general respond to issues. This is not a, a man-only response to life. We all respond in these ways. So let's begin this morning by looking at Saul. And to do that, we need to have a little bit of background. Um, so turn back with me a few chapters to chapter 9 of 1 Samuel. I want to read a few words, and while you're turning, I'm going to ask you a question. Who should have gone out to fight Goliath? Chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Now, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Baaroth, the son of Aphia, the son of a Benjamite, a mighty man of valor. He had a son whose name was Saul, a choice and handsome man, and there was not a more handsome person than he among the sons of Israel. From his shoulders and up, he was taller than any of the people. Now we read that one verse, we might think, well, maybe they're just kind of, he's really tall, that's kind of a, a figure of speech. But over a chapter later, when Saul is being anointed as king in front of the whole nation, it says everybody was gathered around, and from his shoulder up, he was taller than everybody. From here to here, that's a good foot. He's the tallest person in the nation by a foot. His father is a mighty man of valor. He comes from a good bloodline. If anybody should have gone out to fight the giant, it was Saul. And it's not like the Israelites were a bunch of midgets, right? Samuel anoints him. And, and later on, Saul does some things that, that anger God. And he sends Samuel to tell him that the kingdom has been taken away from him and given to someone else. And then God sends Samuel to David's house. And he shows up and he says, Aha, that's going to be the new king. And God says, Samuel, you've you're, you're still got Saul on your mind, I think. We're not looking at his height. And so all of a sudden, Saul's gotten his, I mean, Samuel's gotten his mind. Tall guy Saul, good king, or the right king. Tall brother of David, right king. And God says, no, we're not looking at the height. We're looking at the heart. So there were other tall people in the country. And Saul was just a foot taller than the rest of them. So why didn't he go out and fight? Well, because Saul was a man of fear. Beginning of chapter 10 when Samuel comes to anoint him privately, you're going to be the new king. Saul runs out and tells everybody, right? Actually, no, he doesn't tell a soul. You would think if someone said, you're going to be the king of the nation, that would be good news to share. He doesn't share any of it. Uh, when they gather the nation together to actually coronate him, to put the crown on his head... And they call his name. 
Saul. It, it's like in uh, the movie with the, the Von Trapp family. And before they're fixing to try to run away from the Germans, right? And they call them, they're going to call them back out on stage. The Von Trapps. There's clapping. Nobody comes out. The family Von Trapp clapping. Nobody comes. That's what it was like then. They couldn't find Saul. They finally found him and it says, hiding in the kitchen. He's afraid. In chapter 13, Samuel had told him, I want you to go to Gilgal and I want you to wait for me there. We're going to offer sacrifices to God before the battle. So Saul waits. And he waits. The day comes and it's getting late. And he hears rumor that the Philistines are already gathering and people are starting to kind of scatter. Well, we don't know what to do. We're a little scared. We're running off. And so Saul says, I don't guess Samuel's coming. I, I better offer the sacrifices myself. That's why he was afraid that he was going to lose control. Chapter 15 of 1 Samuel, God tells him to go and destroy the Amalekites and everything with them. Samuel shows up and says, Saul, how come he didn't follow the, the order? Well, I did. And Samuel says, then why do I hear sheep and oxen? Oh, well, we were going to save the best of the stuff to sacrifice. Samuel says, God prefers obedience over sacrifice, actually. Oh, well, I was scared of the people. They, they wanted to do this. I was afraid. And he says that. I was afraid. And then we show up in chapter 17 and the giant comes out and, and Saul, the leader of the people, in their eyes, the king, the giant in their own eyes, everybody looks up to Saul, literally and figuratively, as the king. He's scared. And as the leader is scared, so are the people. Whatever situation he came across from when we meet him in chapter 9 up through his eventual death at the end of 1 Samuel, we see time and time again Saul is a man of fear. He can't overcome the fact that he cares more about what people think than what God thinks. He's paralyzed into inaction because he's afraid. Does that characterize you? The next one we see is David's older brother, Eliab. After David learns that there's a reward offered, David says in verse 26 of 17, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Uh, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? The people answered him in accord with this word, saying, Thus it will be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you've come down in order to see the battle. David's older brother reacts after he hears David talking to the men in anger. Eliab's a, a man of anger. When David first shows up and brings the food, there's not this confrontation. There's not, why are you here? Why have you left the sheep? It's only after David questions the courage of the army that Eliab responds this way. Uh, you see, Eliab's already seen Samuel come to the house 
and say, I've come to anoint a king. And Eliab's already seen, seen him and all the other brothers passed over for David. Eliab's already seen King Saul invite David to come into his presence uh, to play the harp for him and to be his armor bearer. He goes back and forth from the palace to the sheep field. We don't know how many years that happens, but that's, that is taking place at this time. I don't know if Eliab is jealous. I don't know if he's shamed because he's afraid to fight Goliath. But the stress of the situation results in an outburst of anger. That phrase, his anger burned against him, literally is, um, his nostrils became hot. Right? You've seen people who've become angry before and their nostrils flare. That's the word picture. He's over there just fuming. I can't believe the little brother is doing it again. He's making us look bad. And the situation causes him to be anger, angry. He's a man of anger. Does that characterize you when stress happens is... Is anger the first response? There's a, a third person in the story. Goliath himself. Goliath is a man of pride. Verse 43. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the fields. Goliath is, is one of those guys that everybody looks up to and says, You're the one who's going to save us. Before anybody even fights him, right, he's described as the champion. Reminds me a little bit of the Miami Heat. Sorry for any of you who are Miami Heat fans. Before the season even started, all of the sports commentators had crowned them NBA champions. Well, why not? They had the three, three best guys in the league, right? Before the season even started, uh, Miami threw a pep rally for them. Fireworks and confetti and those three guys promised multiple championships for the city. And even like Goliath, when, when it came down to the final battle, they mocked the underdog. It was caught on tape, mocking people that they just knew they were going to beat. Goliath was a, a self-made man, self-righteous, arrogant. I, don't, I wonder how many battles had he actually fought. Did he just need to show up and everybody ran for cover. But when he woke up that morning, he probably never guessed that a little kid with a rock was going to bring him down. He never thought someone was going to throw a rock at him. Right? My reach is longer than anybody. I've got a javelin. I've got a sword. Who's going to even get close to me? He was proud and arrogant and assumed probably because what people had told him all his life, that he was unstoppable, unbeatable. A proud man. Right? Do you find yourselves when, when life is going on that, yeah, I can do this. 
I can solve this problem. I can handle this. I don't need anybody else. And certainly nobody can do anything better than me. He was a man of pride. But then we come to David. Interestingly enough, David has already been anointed king as a young boy. At this point in time, the kingdom has already been taken away from Saul. The people don't know that, but Saul does, Samuel does, and David does. And yet when David shows up in Saul's presence, he says, I'm your servant. When the people describe what's happening and he hears what's happening, he's incredulous. He's not afraid. He's dumbfounded that we would allow this, as he says, uncircumcised Philistine to taunt the armies of the living God. You're kidding, right? He says. You've all been sitting here for 40 days listening to this nonsense. And now there's been a reward. When his brother reacts in anger, David doesn't respond in anger. He says in 29, what have I done? It was just a question. And he turned away from him. He could have responded in anger too. Yeah, you're just the jealous big brother. Eh. Just walks away. I don't need to get angry. When he shows up to Saul and Saul says, ah, you're just a kid. This guy's been doing this for a long time. He doesn't say, yeah, look at me. I'm, I'm somebody. He says, you know, in the past, when I was watching the sheep and a bear or a lion came up, God delivered me from the hand of the bear and the hand of the lion. God did that, and God's going to do the exact same thing now. No pride, no anger, no fear. When Goliath says, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, David responded in verse 45, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come in my own strength with some rocks. That's not what he says. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you, and I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that I'm really the king. That's not what it says. That there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly, and I can imagine him kind of smirking at the folks behind him, that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. David was a man of faith, a boy of faith. He didn't react in fear because he knew who God was. He didn't react in anger because he knew who God was. He didn't react in pride because he knew who God was and what God did. And what I want us to think about this morning, what I want you to think about, not this morning, but maybe the next several mornings, maybe the next several days. I would challenge you, all of you, but especially you dads, to spend some time before God and ask the question, God, 
Who do I look most like? Day in and day out, if I had to pick one of those four guys, Saul or Eliab or Goliath or David, God, how would you describe me? And if David is the one that comes up, then then a further question. But God, is there any point in time when, when I do look like Saul, when... What makes me afraid that shouldn't? What makes me angry that shouldn't? What makes me proud and boastful that, that shouldn't? I want for me, for my kids, for you, to be able to, to look in the mirror and say, by God's grace, I walk by faith. Not in fear, not in anger, not in pride, but by faith. We read earlier this morning in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The good news this morning is that we have a Father a heavenly Father who actually cares about us enough to have, number one, sent His Son for us. What that did is that forgave us of that anger, that pride, that fear that is an offense to God. But but Christ also conquered death and He conquered sin. We no longer have to submit to that temptation to be afraid. We no longer have to submit to that temptation to react in anger. We no longer have to submit to that temptation to respond in pride. That's really good news. But our Heavenly Father did more than that. As we sang earlier, His grace amazes me. He didn't just stop there. He didn't just stop and say, you no longer have to. He sent His Spirit among us to empower us to speak to our hearts to to point out those places where we do fall short and then to say I can change you I can empower you to walk by faith and not by fear to walk by faith and not in anger to walk by faith and not in pride because we have a heavenly father who loves us loves us enough that He wants us as fathers to be men of faith so that our children see what that looks like. So that our children go, that's what faithfulness looks like. I mean, I've read about it in the Bible. I've seen David, but now I see it in the flesh. And I think it helps our kids to better understand who God is like. None of us will do that perfectly. David didn't do that perfectly. You keep reading. David was far from perfect. David was far from completely free of fear. There were times when he reacted in fear. There were times when he reacted in anger. There were times when he reacted in pride. If you read far enough. We will not be free of those temptations this side of heaven. But my prayer for me and for you is that day by day, 
as someone looks at our lives, as our kids look at our lives, as our spouses look at our lives, that they would say, my dad's more like David than he is Saul. My dad's more like David than he is Eliab. My dad's more like David than he is Goliath. Would you spend time over the next week seeking God and asking Him what you look like? As a spouse of a, a husband or a child of a dad, would you pray for us that we would face those things that we struggle with honestly and openly? Would you encourage us? And would you pray for us? It is a joy to walk in the Spirit and to know that we have a Heavenly Father who wants us to succeed. And that is my prayer for us in the coming days and weeks. Now, I haven't given us any answers this morning, and this text doesn't give us any answers about how to get from a Saul to a David, how to get from an Eliab to a David, how to get from a Goliath to a David. But the first step is recognizing that there's some of that in me. Then in in July and August, we are going to spend some time uh, in the Psalms, many of which David wrote, and just see if we can get a glimpse of what it was that made him a man of faith. So this is a a to-be-continued. This morning we, we recognize that, yep, there's, there could be a problem. And over the coming next few weeks, we're going to spend some time looking at what made David. How did he? Why was he not afraid? Why did he not react in anger or pride? Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for uh, your word. I thank you for allowing these glimpses into the past, these glimpses into how um, your people responded to situations. Thank you for an opportunity to look and see um, that there were people throughout uh, the history of of what you've done uh, with your people that, that responded correctly, that responded faithfully. God, we ask that you would Now take this knowledge that we have gained and that you would speak to our hearts, each of us individually. Where is it that we um, are not walking in faith? Help us to see, God, through your Spirit, um, places and situations that, that tempt us to react in fear and pride and anger. And then we ask, we plead with you that you would change us. God, our desire as individuals and as a body is to bring you glory and honor. And we know that, that those characteristics, pride and anger and fear, don't do that. But God, we want to. We want to bring you honor and glory by our lives. We want people to see you in us. And so God, we ask that you would help us by your Spirit. We become men and women of faith. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.